Welcome to the Workplaces That Work podcast, a show about how putting people first makes teams that last, why this is necessary, and more importantly, how to do it. I'm your host, Deanne Gagnon, and now let's get to work. I remember I was in, uh, it was like a full day training course, like offsite yearly type of meeting. And we were doing this brainstorming session that was talking about ways to improve our workplace. This was years ago now. And I was chatting with someone. I said, oh, what did you come up with? And she said, we have to stop working in silos. And I was like, oh yeah, good idea. And then I, this was, remember, this was probably at least 12 or 13 years ago. And I looked at the person beside me after that colleague had walked away. And I said, what does she mean by working in silos? And uh, I, I feel like they kind of laughed at me and maybe judged me a little, but I honestly had no idea what they were talking about. And they said, well, it's when everybody's so disconnected and everyone works so separately. So if you're someone seeing the title of my podcast today about silos and you're maybe not sure what that means, I just explained it for you and you're definitely not alone. Cambridge Dictionary defines a silo as a tall tower with a cylindrical shape that holds anything the farmer needs to store in bulk, especially feed for animals. The second definition in the Cambridge Dictionary for silo is a part of a company, organization, or system that does not communicate with, understand, or work well with other parts. And as soon as that was explained to me in this particular meeting, I was like, yes, exactly, exactly that. I was feeling the same, but at the time I just didn't know the name for it. And at that time I was working for an organization where our department had like six divisions within it. And we were in an environment that was all cubicles. So the person sitting across the corridor from you was, was in a completely different division, yet I had actually no idea really what they did. And at that time, the issue with having silos was it was a service-based business and all of these divisions were impacting customer outcome, but none of us knew what the other ones did. So when something would come in and it had to go to the planning department, I would just pass it off, wipe my hands of it and say, oh, it's in planning. So when people would call me to check on it and they would say, where's my permit? I would say, oh, planning has it. And if they asked, what are they doing with it? I would be like, I don't know, call someone in planning. Yes, yes, I was that person. And yes, I'm very aware of how awful and poor customer service that is. And really when I think about it now as a workplace culture specialist, it's that's a really selfish way to work, right? I wasn't thinking about the person on the other end. I wasn't even thinking about the person in planning. I was thinking about myself and seeing a file come onto my desk realizing they had information that needed them to go to another division. And I was always pumped. I'm like, sweet, this is going to disappear for four months and then it'll come back and then I'll deal with it. And that is awful. So really, when you think about workplaces that, um, that work in silos, which lots of them do, whether it's the division between staff and management, when there's, when there's a disconnect there, absolutely. In hospitals, it can be between different medical departments or between the administrative and medical staff. That's a big one because hospitals are for patient care and the patients 
our, our family member is and people who we care about. And when there's silos and communication gaps and those lead to delays in medical procedures that our families might might need, that is a major detriment in, in schools. There's, I know that there's communication gaps between like teachers and principals or administrative staff or in higher education in colleges and universities, it can be between different faculties, government organizations. I feel like they just like speak for themselves and there really are strict regulations that I know when I was working in the building office, if there was certain requirements that they had to go through other government agencies, there was no communication that happened there. I just knew that it was something that would disappear for months and then come back with a yes or a no nonprofit organizations. They can be siloed between fundraising, program developers, volunteer management. All of this impacts their outcome and the effectiveness of their mission. And nonprofits generally have really solid missions and visions that they're working towards. Hospitality industry, hotels and restaurants. If there's um, a lack of connection and communication, if the front of house and back of house operations are working separately or speak to someone at the back of house, the conference manager and tell them I'm going to come in at a certain time and they say, yeah, no problem. And then I show up at the hotel and the people at the front desk have no idea what I'm talking about. The person I need access to isn't in the building and nobody has a key to get into the room so I can set up the night before. Super frustrating. When I used to work in the architectural industry, which I have touched on, there was huge, huge gaps in communication there between working for an architect, a general contractor, and even on the government side in building permits, there was no communication and there was no true understanding. And I think that's the big piece. I keep saying communication gaps, but really the gap is in the understanding where when I worked for an architectural firm, I had no understanding, no true real have not walked a mile in their shoes of a general contractor to understand what they needed to necessarily see on plans. A general contractor who I also did project management for had no understanding what architects and architectural technologists are going through trying to create these contract documents and create the blueprints and design the drawings. And then they would get really frustrated because there was information missing. But really, if they had the understanding that we were working under a time crunch and we had been given 60 hours to do a job that needed 100, And because there wasn't that understanding, I always think like when I worked for the architect, if I had a better understanding of what a general contractor needed, I would have done my contract documents differently. And then it's the same thing working in the building office. Well, everybody just thought they were terrible, but really until I walked a mile in the shoes of the architectural firm and the general contractor, I don't think I ever truly realized how frustrating it was to be dealing with the building office when we're the last people that they needed to say go on their project, right? So when you think of these like challenges and the separateness between divisions and departments and different fields and when the understanding's not there, there's gonna be frustration and there's going to be a lot of assumptions and assumptions that people don't know what they're doing, that people are stupid, that they're lazy, when really you just have no idea what what their job actually consists of, right? I find working with clients 
and facilitating sessions where I find even some of my clients who I run workshops with and facilitate sessions for, they have multiple sites across the city and even internationally. We've got the ability to work virtually now. So when you are trying to be connected to someone who's not even on the same continent as you are, it's really easy for silos to exist and for people to feel really separate. So I think that we're pretty clear on what a silo is and why it's not good for an organization. It's just, it impacts productivity. It can end up in work being done multiple times, or it can end up in work being done that was done incorrectly or done before it should have been. I know in the past working in the um, like architectural world, we would spend a bunch of time designing something and then sit down with a mechanical or structural engineer who would then say that the design just didn't work in that way. Why didn't we sit down with them initially when we were planning the project and have that conversation, get their input, see what have worked. That was just became a really ineffective use of our time. Ineffective, inefficient. Then you think of customer service, people who are expecting something, expecting an outcome. And I've been to places where I've called looking for information and the person's on holidays. And I remember once someone said, oh, they're on holidays, they'll be back in two weeks, call back then. I was like, excuse me? There's not one person in your organization who can answer this question for the next two weeks? That is really, really bad for customer service. So some a few things that I've always thought about that would really help with the silo effect is if you were to take like how, you know how we do like take your kid to work day? You could do take your coworker to work day, do an interdepartmental shift, spend half a day shadowing someone in a different division. If you're, I always said when I was working for an architectural firm or else even when I was working with a general contractor after, I always said contractors need to spend time with the architects to understand what it actually consists of, what putting contract documents looks like, just like architects and architectural technicians need to spend time. Someone told me once that an architect, which I was not an architect, I was an architectural technologist, but either way, someone who's providing contract construction documents should spend at least one year working on a a construction site to truly genuinely understand what it's all about. Maybe one year is a long time, but I don't doubt that that's something that would help you come from a place of understanding help you have more empathy, help you be more intentional in the way that you're showing up the next time you're communicating with them and just work forward better together. Which I know that's not the most eloquent way of saying that, but ultimately we're moving forward in the same direction because when when you're working for an organization or if you're working across teams in this, in the way that I've kind of used the example of architects and, and builders is there's always a common mission. There's always a common outcome. In the case of a building, the common outcome is there is a client who wants that building, whether it's a house, whether it's a mall or a school or a hospital, someone has hired the architect and the engineer and the contractor to turn their idea that they want to turn their want into an actual tangible thing. So if we can remember that, and the next time we're trying to pass the buck or pass something off or say, I don't know, 
just think, how would I feel if I was on the other side of this call right now? Because we've all been there. And when you're working either on different sites, sites throughout the same city or across different area codes, something that is really helpful that I've seen teams use. And I know that virtually there are so many uh, tools out there now, but it's just having living documents that have, whether it's a service, I was working with a team recently and they had like lots of different interdisciplinary services. It was a healthcare team and they were like, I don't even know how much one of the other services costs. So when someone calls and asks, I can't tell them how much it costs. So if they were to have a living, just like a Google document or a spreadsheet that as it gets changed, the price can be in there, it can be updated. And then something else that they had suggested, which I thought was a great idea was if there are different healthcare providers to experience the services that they're offering. So if there's a massage therapist or an acupuncturist or um, a physio or a chiro or any of these different kind of health care professionals, if people were to take the time and like have an appointment with the different providers in different fields, then they can really learn and then explain when people had questions. And then it makes it easier to recommend as well. I think that a big piece is getting really clear on the vision and the mission. And if you're working for an organization, I would guarantee somewhere in a handbook or somewhere on a website or somewhere in someone's desk drawer, there's a vision, mission, and values. Maybe it's even hanging in the boss's office on the wall and you've just never noticed it. That is supposed to be what an organization is working towards and living by. So if you don't know it, maybe it's time to find it. And if you find it and it doesn't resonate and the whole organization isn't living by it, maybe it's time to update that, right? Um, taking the time to cultivate a collaborative culture. Leaders, it starts with the leaders ultimately, because if I'm on a team and the leader is just okay with us keeping to ourselves and doing what we're doing and not knowing what's going on across the corridor from us or not knowing what's going on in a different division, then it's easy to just kind of fall into complacency as opposed to if you have a leader who's genuinely like, you know what, to become a more well-oiled machine, we need to get really clear on what all of the different pieces of this machine do. We need to get really clear on what every division within this department does. And then maybe sometimes that means just like a physical layout change. If it's feasible, redesign the workplace to facilitate more interaction between departments. If there's open office spaces or communal areas, or even just taking the time to hold like social events that include everybody. I was at, running an event recently where it was a group that had different sites across the city and they had come together for this meeting that I was, excuse me, for this meeting that I was facilitating, but then they were also saying it was nice to be in something structured, but why not just go for a drink once a month or go for coffee or a lunch or something just to get the time, like take the chance, the blah, 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 just to take the time to really get to know each other. And then maybe there's creating shared incentive or reward programs, developing incentives that reward teamwork and collective achievements, not just the individual performance. The biggest piece is when it comes to breaking down silos is genuinely caring what other people do and genuinely, well, for one, is being aware of the fact that there is a silo 
So maybe some questions for reflection are, do I know what everybody on my team does? Do I know what everybody who works for my organization, do I know what all of the roles are responsible for? If someone asks me a question about something that isn't in my job description specifically, do I know who to send them to? It's just really about taking the time to learn what's going on around you. And then it makes it more interesting. The more people you meet and understand, it makes going to work more fun. Really taking the time to build those connections. I know in the past when I've been working and I know people in other divisions or other areas, but within my same field, and I can pick up the phone and call them to ask them questions because we've taken the time to understand what each other do and taking the time to really build those relationships, build the connection and communicate well, it has a huge impact. And then in those circumstances, if there's a customer on the other end who I'm asking questions and I could say, you know what, let me just call this person. I'll give you a show back because we had this conversation in a session I was running recently, but the minute that someone says, no, sorry, I don't know. Let me give you a number. You call them. The odds of you actually taking that number and calling them, unless it's something you desperately need are slim to none. And even if you have to, it's probably going to leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. So that's just some food for thought today on the impact of working in silos, because it's something that comes up all the time, all the time. And I think that's where a lot of the conflict and challenging pieces of workplaces come from, because we truly don't understand what other people are doing. Take the time to learn what they're doing. And then you can learn how to help each other and support each other because there's, again, like I say all the time on this show and in my workshops, people have so much knowledge when we ask questions. So if we want to learn more and we want to learn how to be more successful in our own positions, the best thing we can do is become more well-rounded and we become more well-rounded by learning more what's going on around us. So anyways, I feel like this was maybe a little yappy. Maybe I repeated myself a bunch of times, but silos were on my mind today, especially uh, once I learned what they were. So again, if you're like, what in the hell is a silo? You're not alone because I had no idea. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in. I'll be back in a couple weeks. And in the meantime, have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Workplaces That Work. If you would like more information on how I can work with your team to help them thrive and reach their full potential, you can email me at hello at deannegagnondynamics.com. Any resources mentioned in today's show will be shared in the show notes. If you know anyone who you think might benefit from what was discussed on today's show, I would absolutely love for you to share it with them. And please leave a rating and review because that'll help other like-minded individuals find the show. In the meantime, remember to be the leader you wish you had.